This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire Signature NHL Hockey Pod Podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, AJ Scholes, welcomed a second daughter into the world last week, so he will be unable to join us today. I hope he'll be back with us next week. We are living in a very different world these days, folks, with the coronavirus preempting games. So we're not talking about what happened in the NHL last week, but hopefully we can uh, spend some time looking backward and then forward on this episode, talking about where the teams have come from, who's been the biggest surprise on the positive side, and who has been the biggest underachiever for each club. And uh, with that, we'll take a look at each of the 31 teams today in that vein. Also, I'd like to, before we get into that, I have heard a lot of options about what to do with the upcoming playoff situation if the NHL should resume. And uh, I have my own thoughts about what to do with the rest of the season should it come back around to games that people play and uh, come up with the following pitch for the playoff structure. I'm suggesting that Boston gets a bye. They, they need to be recognized as the best team during the course of the regular season and the winners of the President's Trophy if there's no more games to be played. And I'm assuming there won't be in the regular season. They'll go directly to a playoff format. But that's where I think it could get interesting, folks. And, and uh, we all have different things that we might pitch in terms of a playoff structure. Here's my thought. I'm suggesting that uh, the remaining teams get seeded 2 to 31 overall, and everybody is in. And they play 2 versus 31, 3 versus 30, 4 versus 29, and so on. That means that at the end of the first round, you'll have 15 winners plus the Boston Bruins going into the usual 16-team bracket for the rest of the postseason. And again, teams would be reseeded uh, at the beginning of every round and going forward. So that's my thinking, uh, assuming that the NHL does come back in, say, a month or six weeks or so. I think they could still get all the games in because they are talking with each of the arenas to find out about arena availability right into the month of August. So can you imagine contesting the Stanley Cup in the month of August? That would be a historical first for the league, but we are living in different times, and so all options are on the table. I'd love to hear uh, your suggestions for a possible playoff structure, assuming that the NHL does come back and play, and whether or not you think any more regular season games should be contested. The, uh, I, I will recognize the most creative choice on air that closely approximates what happens with the eventual return of the NHL or maybe the most entertaining one. So please give it some thought and let us know uh, by uh, 
tweeting me at statsman22 or you can tweet at AJ Scholes who's available at AJ Scholes 24 even though he's got the two daughters in tow he's promised me that he will provide his fantasy hockey opinions should you tweet them out all right let's get into the look of, uh, at all the 31 teams from the point of view of underachievers and overachievers on each roster We'll start with the Anaheim Ducks, who currently reside in sixth place in the Pacific Division and, for all intents and purposes, would not make the postseason in the conventional uh, setup that we have right now. But uh, it's worth noting that Adam Henrique has surprised with me with a contribution that includes 26 goals this season on a team that's scoring challenged. He stands high above the rest in terms of that level of output, leading the club with uh, 43 points. That's one of the lowest totals for any team leader in scoring for an individual club. On the flip side, I have to admit I'm a little bit disappointed with with a defenseman on this club, Josh Manson, only nine points in 50 games. Sure, there's been a few injury issues there along the way, but nine points for a seasoned veteran like this who was supposed to provide some offensive punch from the back end has to rank as one of the top disappointments here. And while while I go through this list, I mean, if you would disagree with any of my choices for the overachiever or underachiever on each club, Please, again, feel free to chime in with your opinions. Uh, Let's keep this flow of information going, folks, despite the fact there are no games to talk about. The Arizona Coyotes, their record 33-29-8 overall. They're fifth in the Pacific Division. They were in the hunt, but they they slipped out of contention for uh, the conventional playoff spots. But uh, an entertaining... team nonetheless with a very solid defensive structure has kept them competitive all season long for me the top surprise here is nick schmaltz 45 points in 70 games played to be one of the top scoring players here and one of the guys that surprised all that he took that uh, leap in scoring he was a depth player in chicago but figured to get more ice time here in in arizona and things have worked out in that way in a similar vein, Vinny Hinestroza was given much the same opportunity but has failed relative to Schmaltz in a big way. Only 22 points in 68 games. Much more was expected of him. Uh, maybe something in the 40-point range like Schmaltz, but uh, to show the disparity and how one guy really helped the cause here and one guy really dropped the ball, these are two fine examples of, of each of those situations. The Boston Bruins, first overall in the, in the whole of the NHL, as we said off the top, and... Uh, if there is one modest surprise here, I would suggest it's David Pasternak coming up with 95 points in 70 games. I thought, sure, one of the top scorers in hockey, but was he going to be the top NHL goal scorer? A lot of people thought so. I had my doubts, but there he is with 48 goals, 95 points in 70 games played. Alongside him, the guy that I think deserves a nod as uh, the top overachiever here is Tori Krug. He has done a better job of staying healthier much of this season. Still missed a few games here, about 9 or 10. But 49 points already in the bank and 28 power play points. That's an outstanding season already. Uh, And if you project it out to 80 games, he's up there around 60, 65 points, which is a career best for him. And so an outstanding season for Tory Krug uh, as a part of that fantastic Boston lineup. On the flip side, there are a couple of disappointments here. One of them actually got traded as a result of the poor season. We're talking about David Backus. He had a big cap hit, folks, that uh, goes with him on to uh, Anaheim in the deal. He only produced three assists for the Bees and was expected to be a top six presence. 
uh, with his size and physicality uh, kind of leading the way offensively uh, here in Boston. They uh, do have a lot of scoring power, but they do also have a uh, physicality about them, and David Backus was supposed to be at the leading edge there and really didn't contribute. Another guy that they were expecting big things was from was Carson Kuhlman, who compiled only six points in 25 games played. A lot of people, including uh, AJ and me, we had him ticketed for a top six role at the start of the season, and he just really hasn't filled that. Uh, injuries have been a part of the problem, but certainly underperforming when he was healthy and in the lineup. The Buffalo Sabres, look at this team. I thought more was expected in terms of a year of growth this season, but the supporting cast behind Jack Eichel didn't deliver the goods as expected. On the plus side, we look at Linus Ulmark with a 269 goals against average in 34 appearances. That's an outstanding record and well ahead of his ten, uh, partner in the nets there. And uh, so that gives him the nod as the most outstanding overachiever on the Sabres situation. The underachiever is one that we've been ragging on much of the season. That's Jeff Skinner, 23 points in 59 games. That's after signing a big long-term contract extension that AJ and I both panned, and I th we thought it would be a problem, and it certainly has uh, evolved that way in year one of that pact, which is going to be an albatross around this team's neck unless this guy rediscovers the form that earned in that contract in the first place. The Calgary Flames, third in the Pacific Division. They have kind of flipped the script in that division where the Canadian teams have outperformed the teams in California, and uh, Cal Calgary is certainly part of that mix, and a big reason why they did turn things around is they solidified a second forward line, and Andrew Mangiapane has been a key part of that with 17 goals and 32 points overall. He was headed toward a 40-plus point season with the late season rush that we've seen since the turn of the calendar that puts him at the head of the class in terms of the overachievers here. On the flip side, the underachiever for me is T.J. Brody. T.J. Brody is blessed with a lot of offensive skills and one of the best skating defensemen in the league and behind uh, a, a talented group of forwards here and a part of the power play I thought he would be a cinch to be a 40 point defenseman again in this league but 19 points is all that we see on his record so to me rates as a, the biggest disappointment here support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank if you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle look no further U.S. Bank has credit cards that make everyday rewarding no matter what you're into feeling hungry Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card, get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cash back, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. The Carolina Hurricanes sit fourth in a very competitive metropolitan division in a playoff spot currently if you go by the position in the standings and the wild card situation and even a win percentage overall if you want to look at that. Andres Vechnikov, a top 
super sophomore in the league. 61 points in 68 games has solidified the top scoring line there with his outstanding exploits offensively. And uh, it was somewhat expected. A former high first-round draft pick coming into his own a lot quicker than most. It usually takes... Uh, rookies about two or three years to really find their way in the NHL offensively but he uh, hasn't missed a beat and continued the scoring exploits that got him recognized as a top junior just a couple of years ago and on the flip side here we have uh, certainly I've been critical of Jake Gardner and his overall game for years but this year he's reached a new low in my opinion with a minus 24 on a team that he is the worst minus player on their roster and a paltry 24 points for a guy with his skill set this this guy could be a 50 point defenseman easily he's done it in the past and so that just tells you the drop-off that we're speaking of when we speak of Jake Gardner here in Carolina this year and what has to be a disappointment for him while the rest of the team has had a very good season the Chicago Blackhawks sit there with a 32-30 and 8 record. They're 7th in the Central Division and out on the outside looking in where the playoffs to start today, but they have to be pleased with the development of Dominic Kubalik. 30 goals and 46 points to rank among the rookie scoring leaders. An outstanding contribution. He's thrived on the left side of Jonathan Taves, who is still one of the best leaders in the game and one of the better distributors of the puck from the center position. On the other side of the coin, the top underachiever here, in my opinion, has to be Brent Seabrook. He's sitting there with a uh, long-term IR tag on him uh, since he's injured much of this season. He's got four more years to go on a contract with a hit of $6.875 million. It looks like a terrible deal for the Hawks right now. Uh, 32 games played, only four points for the venerable defenseman. He's got a quite a nice resume, having been a central figure in uh, the cup runs of this club, but they've paid for what he has done in the past, not what they hope to get out of him in the future. And more teams that, uh, the teams that have done that are certainly ruining some of the deals that they've cut in that regard, and this one has to be near the head of that class. The Colorado Avalanche, 42-20-8 is their record. They're second in the Central Division. They have had an outstanding season, as many experts predicted, including yours truly. And one of the guys that contributed mightily to that is Cale McCarr, who had an outstanding first half of the season and uh, has led him to compile 50 points in 57 games as a rookie. He's been dealing with injury woes the last couple of weeks to slow that pace down, and others have caught up a little bit, but still an outstanding record when you consider defense, for me, is the hardest position to get acclimatized to in the NHL early on in your career and development. Makar has made a seamless transition from junior and been a key part of this potent power play as well, so kudos to him for pulling all of that off in year one. Tyson Jost, on the flip side, uh, was a former 10th overall pick in the draft in 2016 and has, has had a very slow development curve. 23 points in his third NHL season. They were expecting much more from him and, and possibly even contending for a top six role uh, on a wing position uh, beside Nazem Kadri was a possibility, even maybe on the first line. But uh, with that point total, he's mired in the bottom six here, and they're wondering if uh, the bus tag should be elevated beside his name uh, at this stage in his development or non-development as you might say the columbus blue jackets 33 22 and 15 is their record they're sitting fifth in the metro division they actually trailed the new york islanders in win percentage uh, and the second wild card spot in the east if you go by that route but 
they are there with more points than the Islanders at the moment. So that's one of the quandaries that we have in terms of the upcoming uh, post-virus uh, scenario in the NHL and what to do about a situation like this. So that, Columbus is a team that I definitely think is on the bubble in that regard, along with the Islanders, to sort that out. Uh, top scoring defenseman in the league uh, is the tag beside Zach Wierenski. He's the first guy to hit the 20-goal mark. He got a plus nine in 63 games played so far this season to rank as the linchpin of a power play here and a minute eater on the on the defense an outstanding campaign for him we knew he was one of the top defensemen in the league but I wouldn't have put a lot of money on him being the first 20 goal scorers so a real feather in his cap in that regard on the other side of the issue uh, in terms of uh, underachieving performances here I would say Josh Anderson heads the class only four points and a minus eight in 26 games played sure there's a lot of injuries along the way to account for that record about four points in 26 games for a top six forward is terrible production and so he wears the goat horns for me in Columbus the Dallas Stars are third in the Central Division largely on the strength of a very strong defensive posture that this team team takes and their goalies are benefiting from that as well with outstanding marks by their names this year but I want to highlight a couple of defensemen when we talk about the overachiever and the underachiever for me, the overachiever here is Miro Heiskanen, 35 points and a plus 14 in a sophomore season. He was a minus 14 last year to show how his his overall game has evolved, much more responsible in his defensive end and still contributing well offensively. On the other side of it, John Klingberg, an outstanding scorer for much of his career. It's, this is his worst season in his six in the NHL, folks. A minus 10 on the plus minus and only 32 points for a guy who is supposed to be among the top scoring defensemen in the league and certainly one of the guys who I would have pegged for 50 points at the start of the season certainly going to fall well short of that mark and a team one team I guess that if there had to be any team that was looking forward to the end of the season it would be the Detroit Red Wings they sit last in the entire league by a long a large margin and we're going to head to our uh, historical worst season for any team in the salary cap era they sit with a 17 49 and 5 mark and there's not many high points to talk about with this team, but I did find one when I looked at the scoring exploits of Anthony Manta, Manta folks. Consider that on a team like the Red Wings that is goal-challenged and starving for offensive depth, he did his part in pulling on the rope with to the tune of 38 points in 43 games, and he's part of the solution here going forward. A big, strong skating forward, uh, got all the, all the tools you want in a in a big physical winger who can put the puck in the net they're going to build around this guy for the next several years and uh, it won't be long before we're talking about this team in the playoffs if they can find a few more like him I'll say that on the downside I have to rank Jimmy Howard at the head of the class in terms of top disappointments here Uh, a year ago he performed heroically for the Red Wings and had a very strong season that made me think ah they can hang on to him and he will uh, help the transition I guess despite the fact that he is uh, one of the older fellows on the club. But really, uh, everything came tumbling down on on those exploits this season when you consider he is sitting with a 420 goals against average and an 882 save percentage. Those are among the worst marks for any goal goalie, if a starter or a reliever, or a second stringer, rather, in the entire league. And uh, the win-loss record tells you the bigger story, a 223-2 and two, one loss and uh, overtime loss uh, mark overall that's 
definitely the worst in the league by far. And it looks even worse when you consider that Jonathan Bernier has performed heroically and uh, has much, much better numbers than uh, his counterpart. The Edmonton Oilers, this is a team that was looking forward to the postseason for the first time in several years, and it's because of the top scorers on this club, and they are the reason why I feel optimistic about their future, obviously, when you consider a dynamic duo like Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, who are the top two scorers in the league, and Dreisaitl leads the league with 110 points. To me, it's hard to call him an overachiever, but when you think he is the top scorer in the league and 13 points ahead of McDavid, in fact, who is in second place, I give him the nod as as a guy who exceeded all expectations that we had. Uh, uh, Certainly, I picked him for a top 10 scorer in the league, but I didn't pick him as number one and didn't think he was going to get over 100 points. So there he is at the head of the class in the league and in terms of the overachievers in Edmonton. On the other side of it, Jujar Kaira is sitting there with 10 points and minus 19 and 64 games for the fourth-year pro. I thought he would be a bigger factor in the offense here, uh, solidifying a top-six role. He's been on the fringes of that for the past couple of years, and I thought this was the third or fourth year in his development as a pro. We should see an upturn, but uh, instead we've seen a further downturn in his fortunes, and you wonder where he's going to fit in down the road because there are other people coming up the pipeline here and Kyra may have missed an opportunity to be a central figure on an offense that's going to lead this team back to the postseason for the next couple of years at least I think. The Florida Panthers were uh, in a nip and tuck battle with the Leafs when the the season was ground to a halt and uh, they sit just outside of playoff contention because they're third in the wild card hunt which was going to go down to the wire, I think, as well as the chase for third place in the division. So if the playoffs were to start today in a conventional format, they'd be on the outside looking in after what I thought was a pretty good season for the for the Panthers. One of the guys that contributed big time for them is Noel Achari. He was known as a defensive forward in Boston for much of the last few seasons. And his goal total actually this year at 20 represents more goals scored that he had in his first four seasons in the NHL. And so that uh, tells me that he he was a big-time surprise contributor for the Panthers and maybe the biggest one they have on their roster. And on the other side of it, Sergei Bobrovsky is a guy who we've panned in this uh, podcast for much of the season, even at the beginning of the season, when they signed him for a $70 million Uh, deal over the next seven years I thought that's a big contract for a guy who's had a lot got a lot of miles on him certainly ranks uh, ranked as one of the better goalies in the league in the last several years but I just felt that he was going into a situation where he was going to be asked to do too much and he hasn't really delivered folks the goals against average one of the highest ones among NHL starters with a 322 GAA on his uh, ledger it looks terrible when you consider Chris Drieger has come in from the minors and played 12 games and has backstopped the club to an efficient 2.05 goals against average. And if I think if they were in a clutch game right now, they would give him the nod over Bobrovsky. And that just tells you how much of a lack of faith they have in him as a result of the performance this season. One that if he performed even to the average of his career, we wouldn't be talking about the Florida Panthers on the outside looking in. 
The Los Angeles Kings sit seventh in the Pacific Division, and if the season would have started a month ago, they would be, probably be among the contenders in this conference because they've been the hottest team in the league, actually, in the last two weeks with an outstanding run of late. And one of the guys who's fueled that is Alex Iafalo, a guy who I thought got too much of an opportunity as a first-line winger last year and through the first part of this season, but he kind of exploded offensively in the middle of November through uh, the most recent games with 43 points overall and a plus one those bo- uh, both rank as high watermarks for him in the early development of his career so one, one guy that they look forward to biz- building their future around in Los Angeles Alex Iafalo uh, one guy at the other end of it uh, at the end of a long and successful career is Jeff Carter but still he was pegged to be a top six forward and possibly a second line center who could contribute offensively to the tune of maybe 25 to 30 goals well what we've seen out of him is a big fall off in terms of production 27 points a minus 21 in 60 games played by far the worst offensive season in the last several years for the big rangy forward here the minnesota wild sit sixth in that competitive central division if you look at the win loss you'd think they're right on the edge of contention but really they aren't they have too many teams to pass and uh, they were in big trouble in terms of making the playoffs when when uh, the season was curtailed uh, last week one of the big reasons why they could be a contender is Kevin Fiala 54 points in 64 games and most recently in the last month maybe the hottest scorer in all of hockey uh, vaulting him to the ranks of of key and integral figures for this team going forward Uh, fast skater good shot and the guy who's blossomed really with an opportunity in Minnesota and uh, the opportunity was there with two centers that we've talked about uh, for the last several years in Eric Stahl and Miko Koivu who are two of the top playmakers in in terms of a one-two tandem in the NHL but I think father time is catching up with Miko Koivu folks 21 points in 55 games is a low point low watermark for him in his career and makes him my pick for the biggest disappointment on the Minnesota lineup this season the Montreal Canadiens sit fifth in the Atlantic Division with a 31-31 and 9 mark. This is a team that they have uh, ha- their success was predicated on uh, the quality of goaltending from Carey Price, which has slipped a little bit this year and might rank as a bit of a disappointment overall when you consider things. But really, it's the defensive structure that has suffered. They beyond the first couple of name recognition guys on their defense in Weber and Petrie haven't got much on the blue line and uh, exposed their their uh, super goalie to a lot more rubber than he anticipated seeing this season however i go to my uh, uh, to other players for the overachiever and underachiever here nick suzuki uh, 41 points in a rookie season gives uh, fans of this club hope for the future as uh, he has evolved into a key key piece i think that they're going to look forward to building around on this team for years to come a first round pick that came their way by way of a trade with las vegas looks to be a key part of what needs to be a rebuild here going forward in terms of disappointments Jonathan Drouin has to rank at the top of the list here folks a big contract big expectations of course when you have a French Canadian name in Montreal a guy who is a known as a capable scorer and a guy that they gave up uh, Mikhail Sergachev to Tampa for you got to expect that they were hoping for more from Drouin and they didn't get it this year injuries have dogged him all season limiting him to 27 games played and he only compiled 15 points year to date the nashville predators sit fifth in the central division with a mark of 35 26 and 8 and 
Of course, you look at the captain, Roman Yossi, 65 points in 60 games played. He certainly has closed the gap on John Carlson in terms of the scoring race among defensemen. And when you consider a plus 22, that ranks as the second highest in his career, along with his career best in terms of point production. So definitely on the short list for top defensemen in the NHL this season, despite an overall defensive drop-off in the Nashville situation that has led them to the fringe of playoff extinction, I should say. And uh, one of the reasons why there is a bit of a shortfall here and the defensive structure has been a little bit weakened is Pecorini has certainly not held up his end of the bargain 3.17 goals against average an 895 save percentage in fact you can look at the other goalie in the mix here UC Saros with a 270 goals against and a 914 and say the backup has outperformed the starter here and uh, maybe it's time for to flip it to flip the script and give Saros more of the starts when this team reconvenes the New Jersey Devils sit with a 28, 29, and 12 record, eighth in the Metro Division. They figured to be a much better team than they've shown because their top two picks in the draft in the last couple of years were uh, top centers who were supposed to turn, lead the turnaround, but uh, this team remains offensively starved for talent and uh, uh, goal-challenged overall. One guy who's flown in the face of, the face of that is their goalie, uh, top goalie, Mackenzie Blackwood. Second-year pro, he's holding up well in the face of uh, la- this lack of offensive support. A 277 goals against average, a 915 save percentage in 47 games played. Make him the top overachiever in my mind for the New Jersey Devils. And uh, in terms of the biggest disappointment, that's an easy one, folks, and it's uh, the big mouth, P.K. Subban, 18 points in a minus 21, both career lows, and he should do a lot less talking than... Uh, he's known for and buckle down and perform like like his contract is expecting him to do so this is another one of those albatross type contracts that uh, teams simply cannot afford to have on their books and and it looks like they're going to wear this one for a while because it's very early on in Subban's tenure uh, in that deal the New York Islanders, they sit sixth in the Metro, but they're ahead of Columbus in, in terms of win percentage. They would be, in my estimation, the biggest surprise in terms of drop-off overall from it for a team that we expect to be in contention. And uh, even though they are ahead of Columbus by win percentage, uh, I don't think they really were headed in the right direction in the last few weeks. And we kept talking about them with losing marks week after week most recently. And uh, the defensive structure has been compromised in the last month and a half. We've talked about that a lot. But the biggest overachiever for me on this team is Brock Nelson. Career highs in in goals and points with 26 and 54 respectively for a big rangy pivot who has... uh, uh, been criticized for being challenged as a skater but you can't knock him when he gets close to the net folks he's been producing points at a career best pace and so kudos for him for his continued development in a positive way and particularly in light of the 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 fact that things have uh, gone south a little bit for this team of late and speaking of going south Andrew Ladd one point and four games played that they're paying $5.5 million for that this year. Certainly has been challenged with injuries in the last couple of seasons, but expecting more than that from him minimally to kind of justify that deal, which they'll wear for the next three years. Another bad contract situation here on the island. 
The New York Rangers have been making headlines despite the fact that they sit seventh in the Metro Division. They were closing fast, and in a year that was supposed to be a rebuild, they have had a pretty good season with a mark of 37, 28, and 5 overall. And one of the guys that's led the charge most recently is Mika, Mika Zabinajad. Consider that uh, this flashy forward has 75 points in only 57 games. That's already a career best for him and bodes well for the future as one of the centerpieces around this rebuilding club. Uh, one guy that's not contributed much in that way is uh, their most recognizable face, and that's Henrik Lundqvist, sitting there with career worst, worst numbers in terms of goals against with a 316. A 9.05 save percentage, and he's the worst marks of the three goals they have, goalies they have in this mix, and presents a real quandary going forward because he has an 8.5 million dollar cap hit next year that will be very hard to deal unless they keep a, a chunk of that in, a, in an off-season trade. And you wonder if maybe a deal with San Jose or a team like that uh, that needs a goalie and has every, a lot of other pieces in place might be a possible move when we look at Lundqvist's name in the off-season rumors that. I'm sure, are going to circulate around him. The Ottawa Senators sit 7th in the Atlantic Division, and I've been a big fan of Connor Brown since he came into the league, folks, with the Maple Leafs. He's got a career-high 43 points and a solid citizen. They need types like this to build around in Ottawa, and he is a great example of what they're looking for to, to make this team rise from the levels that they are right now gets my vote easily as the top overachiever here, headed for a 50-point season that I pegged when the season started, so good on him for living up to those expectations. When you look at other veterans on the club uh, that didn't perform so well, uh, Mikhail Bodker leaps to mind for me. He had the same opportunity as Connor Brown, but has only delivered four points in 20 games played. That's a poor performance uh, if you look at that ratio, and then you had the injury woes for the mix. They certainly didn't get any bang for the buck from Bodker in Ottawa this season. When it comes to the Philadelphia Flyers, I kind of chuckle a little bit because I've been maligned by a couple of fans of of the show who are fi- also fans of the Flyers, and they keep saying, why do I slag on the Flyers? Well, I, I have for years because they have never solved the goalie conundrum, folks, and uh, maybe they have now with the fact that Carter Hart is having a great season, 242 goals against, 914 save percentage. And look, at they're all of a sudden second in the Metro Division with sitting with a 41-21-7 mark. I think I was right all along. They needed a goalie to, to carry that share of the load. And look at how they've taken off. Uh, it underscores what I've been saying for years. So take that, Philly fans. But you've got to be taking it with a bit of a smile anyway. Um, in terms of disappointments, I think Shane Gostisbehere is the guy for me uh, on the Flyers. Only 12 points in 42 games played, despite the fact that, that the team has been soaring this season. Uh, he has not been along for the ride. Consider that only a couple of years ago, he had 65 points in 78 games. How good would those, would those numbers look on this team? They'd be a cinch to be first place in this, in this division if he was his usual former self. The Pittsburgh Penguins, I know AJ's going to want to know what I have to say about the, uh, this team. In terms of the top overachiever, I don't think he's going to argue with my choice of Brian Rust. 56 points in 55 games, smashing previous highs of 38 points in 69 games last year. So good for him for having that career-type season and filling in when this team has suffered a lot of injuries along the way. He certainly has been a guy that's been part of the answer to keep them relevant in the playoff hunt. A 40-23-6 and six mark overall third in the Metro Division. One other guy that I have a lot of, had a lot of time for in terms of fantasy, fantasy projections is Nick Bugstad, but one point in 12 games played, man, oh man, he was ravaged by 
injuries early on. He was rumors were that he was getting around to being healthy down the stretch. Would have been nice to see how he could have contributed to this mix, but it looks like we won't get that chance at least in the next uh, four to six weeks. The St. Louis Blues, the defending champs, rolling along in first place in the Central Division, and it's, it was kind of hard for me to find an overachiever here because this is a team that just has a bunch of solid pros that do what they do, game in, game out, and they've done it for a long while, but I found Zach Sanford, uh, in years past, he was considered a bit of a role player, certainly a depth forward, maybe an energy guy, but you've got to give him credit for 16 goals and 30 points. That's more than you would expect from a, a fellow who has that sort of a, a tag to his name when you think about him. and You don't think about him as a top scorer or even a top six forward, but he's earned the role based on the numbers and the rugged style of play that have contributed to St. Louis' success overall. The biggest disappointment here, I've talked about this guy all season long and the contract extension that is likely going to push their captain out of the mix uh, this summer when Alex Petrangelo becomes a free agent, and that's Justin Falk. Justin Falk, a minus three, 16 points overall for a guy who has lots of offensive talent. Should have been a power play quarterback here, but that hasn't panned out either. They're going to wear that $6.5 million cap hit for years, and they're going to rue the day when their captain goes out the door, in my opinion. The San Jose Sharks, boy, this team, the the bottom has fallen out. Uh, They're eighth in the Pacific Division with a bullet, you might say. Uh, It's been a tale of two goalies this season here that uh, describes the transition that's going to go on here and a bit of a rebuild going forward. When you consider that Aaron Dell has 12 wins in 27 uh, decisions, that's not great, but his mark of a 90.7 save percentage is way better than Marty Jones, 896 save percentage and his career high three goals against average uh, is nothing to hang your hat on in terms of building the fortunes of a winning team Jones uh, lost the job of the number one goalie here and uh, Dell looks like the guy that's going to get the inside lane going forward if if and when things reconvene for this club and uh, if they could have got more solid goaltending I think they could have been a factor in the playoff hunt but both these guys hanging around the three goals against average really not holding up their end of the bargain but Dell did close gap, gap, the gap in terms of the 1-2 relationship between them the Tampa Lightning second in the Atlantic Division a very competitive top of the division here but they were going to give get, they gave ground to the Boston Bruins and I don't think they were going to catch up uh, if the regular season would have played out and uh, for me the biggest surprise on the positive side was Alex Kalornit Career-high 26 goals, 49 points in only 68 games played. Those represent high watermarks for him as he filled in capably when other players went down and uh, to the tune of those career-best numbers. On the other side of it, Ryan McDonough, a defenseman who had a number of solid seasons uh, with the Rangers as a strong two-way defenseman, very capable offensively, has struggled and slumped to only 12 points in 50 games played certainly there were some injury issues there but a very capable scorer who isn't this season has been uh, contributing to uh, any downside that you might identify with the Tampa Lightning such as it is with the Toronto Maple Leafs they were were third in the Atlantic Division when we broke for the for this uh, virus situation 36 25 and 9 their overall record 
I think you could say they are right about where they expected to be this season in terms of the overall record, but it's how they got there despite a lot of injuries and uh, really on the positive side of it, they were affected in a, in a very good way by Zach Hyman's uh, effort since he came back to, to the lineup uh, partway through the season. He's been one of their top scorers, uh, 37 points, 20 goals on his rec- record in only 51 games played. This guy does a lot of the heavy lifting with his corner play and work on the power play and support for uh, other top six forwards who are less inclined to go into the corner and corners and do the digging. Another guy that's had a very nice year, I called it a tie here in terms of the overachievers, Willie Nylander, 31 goals and 50 points after only a, seven goals and 27 points last year in a year that was marred by his contract holdout and uh, all the the, uh, shenanigans related to that that caused him a lot of bad press. He certainly has turned his uh, career outlook around and lived up to the boastful comment at the beginning of the season where he wanted to dominate in the league. Well, he ranks him on the top 15 goal scorers in hockey, so I guess you can say he's backing up his words with his performance on the ice. In terms of the top underachiever on this club, Certainly, I have to look at Andreas Johnson, a guy who also had a similar profile to Nylander in terms of the scoring ability and skating ability overall. He'd been injury-plagued, and he's actually dealing with a knee injury that's going to make him a late arrival at camp even in the, in the new season, should, should it come around on time. 21 points in 43 games, much less of a pace than what was expected of him uh, heading into this season. The Vancouver Canucks sit with a 36-27 and 6 mark, fourth in the Pacific Division. They have to be buoyed by the fact that J.T. Miller has enjoyed a career-high 72-point season based on 27 goals and 45 assists to rank as their top overachiever, a solid fit that brings physicality as well to the top six here, which is blessed with a number of uh, Euro stars, I'll call them, who have a tremendous skating ability and scoring ability, but less inclined to play the physical side of the game. So Miller holds, carries the flag in that regard, as well as the outstanding scoring exploits. And another guy who's expected to carry a, a lot, large part of the physical physicality of this team from the back end, along with a scoring acumen, is Tyler Myers. But he's fallen short of my expectations, folks. This is a guy who's had as many as 50-plus points in a season, and he's sitting here with 21 points and a minus 7 after so- signing a five-year, $30 million extension last summer. I think the Canucks were expecting much more than that from the big, rangy defenseman, and he's got time to figure it out because this team's going to be on the uptick going forward, and Myers figures to get a lot of ice time in that mix to get it right. The Vegas Golden Knights sit first in the Pacific Division with a record of 39-24-8, and eight, and much of the talk around this team's early success is as circled around their outstanding goalie Marc-Andre Fleury and the top six forwards, but it's a top defenseman that I want to highlight in terms of the biggest uh, surprise and overachiever of this club, and that's Shea Theodore, sitting with a career high of 46 points, filling in a big need here. Most teams do have that high-octane offensive defenseman in tow, and we didn't know if anybody would rise from the ranks of decent pros to be that guy, and Shea Theodore certainly has done that with a season that was headed toward a 50-plus points for the first time in his career, and so kudos for to him for filling that need and making Vegas really a complete-looking club, even more so than either of their previous two years. Paul Stastny, for me, has to rank as a, a underachiever. It was kind of difficult for me to find a guy overall because uh, it, uh, these guys 
do rely on that solid top six, and for the most part, they deliver. But Stastny has kind of fallen short of uh, what his career norms are, and that's why he got the nod for me. This is his worst points per game in his career with 38 and 71, but he still ranks as a guy who I would trust in a top six situation going forward in this mix and, and had an opportunity to write the season with a strong playoff run as a part of this team. The Washington Capitals, first in the Metropolitan Division with a 41-20-8 mark in that competitive loop. John Carlson has had an outstanding start to the season and has rid, ridden it to a career high and team-leading 75 points. Indeed, the top-scoring defenseman in the league was holding off all comers and my pick for the Norris Trophy win, winner of the season based on that outstanding start. Kind of coasting to the finish line, but the, the Caps, you know, they were going to be a tough out in the postseason, and he is a linchpin on the power play and a minute eater on the regular shift and a guy with a big shot. I, I love the, the overall game that he's all about. Uh, behind him, though, was the disappointment of the season, and that is Braden Holtby. 3-11 goals against average, 8.97 save percentage. Those are wor- the worst numbers of his career, and I kept thinking, he's going to get it right. He's going to turn around, and he's going to batten down the hatches down the stretch, and he was on the verge of doing so, I thought, in recent games, but we will not find out for a few weeks yet whether he will be able to continue that the numbers those numbers look even worse when you consider that his backup in more limited role Ilya Samsonov has kind of outperformed him in in terms of both of those numbers and has had a fine indoctrination in the NHL uh, but not a not yet a baptism of fire he's still definitely the number two guy here and they'll have to sort things out in the offseason to see who gets the lion's share going forward it might result in a deal uh, moving Holtby out of town uh, in fact I can I could project the Winnipeg Jets sit fourth in the central division and uh, they are on the fringe of, of playoff contention there with that record currently holding on to a playoff spot with a 37 28 and 6 mark overall and the guy for me one of the heroic efforts in the in the NHL this season Connor Hallibuck a 257 goals against average and a 92.2 percent save percentage in 58 games played. He handled a heavy workload behind a team that had a very suspect defensive setup uh, when when there were all those all those news and notes about team uh, players not playing this season or leaving the club in trade and free agency. They left the covered bear on the back end, but certainly Connor Hellybuck has done his part to uh, keep this team playoff relevant with an outstanding individual effort. To, to earn the role as the top underachiever here. We know that normally they're not an offensively challenged club, but one of the guy who's fallen, guys who's fallen short of expectations offensively for me was at Matthew Perot. 15 points in 49 games played for a normally consistent 30 to 45 point producer. When healthy, he has struggled to be healthy this season and certainly struggled to deliver the goods offensively. Folks, we will not have anything to do with FanDuel talk uh, this week, but uh, it was interesting for me to note that uh, they've kind of switched gears at FanDuel to try and find things to bet on and to compete for, and one of the more entertaining ones was the recent presidential debate between Sanders and Biden, and they had a game set up where uh, it was based on uh, name drops or word drops uh, to score points in that regard so I thought that was a neat way for FanDuel to try and stay relevant during this period we're going to be working hard to do the same thing here at the uh, podcast and hope you were entertained somewhat with these uh, overachievers and underachievers we're going to try a different theme every week but I'll remind you all that I hope that you can contribute to our playoff format 
predictor, I'll call it. And I will recognize the best submissions if you take the time to submit yours to our Twitter feeds. You can follow me at Statsman22. That's Paul Bruno at Statsman22. You can follow AJ Scholes at AJ Scholes24. As always, we invite you to listen into podcasts to get our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. And we hope you tune in next week. We'll try and find a way to entertain you with talk around the hockey world. In the meantime, stay safe and stay healthy. We wish you the best. We look forward to talking to you again. Thank you for listening.